This is the All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. You can find the show on Twitter at All Around Guy Podcast One, and you can email the show at All Around Guy Podcast at gmail.com. All Around Guy Podcast. Mitchell Stevens here with two of my best friends this week. We'll bring back Tim, who you met last week. We've got Mike with us this week. We're recapping a first ever week 18 in the NFL. The all-around five took a hit, but an exciting win for me in a season-longs picks contest that I just found out about a couple minutes before the show. So I'm in a fantastic mood, better mood than I've been in all weekend as I've been stressing over that. And we're going to start today's show with... Our new favorite segment, a quote by Trent Dilfer that he made famous on ESPN NFL Countdown. And any guesses where you think we're going with this today? You can't lose games in the NFL and still win. And it's going to feature the Indianapolis Colts with, we've talked about bad losses all year, but this has to be easily the worst loss of the year. Stick with us. Big recap for you as we head into the playoffs. All around Guy Podcast. We have Tim with us. We have Mike with us. Can't wait to get the show started. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. So before we get into Trent Dilfer, we are recording this podcast live on a Sunday night during Sunday night football. So we have the Raiders Chargers game in the background behind us. They are not needing it on every play. The Raiders are coming out with just win baby. But as we promised, we're going to open with Timmy. You can't lose games in the NFL and still win. So the Indianapolis Colts this offseason, they bring in Carson Wentz. My guy. And Tim knows all about him as a resident Philly guy and Eagles fan for us. And he comes in and you have Jonathan Taylor who had a solid rookie season. We didn't really know what Jonathan Taylor was. I don't think anybody thought he was going to rush for 1,800 yards this year. Um, but he does that. So you have a great running game behind Carson Wentz. And so if you told me at the beginning of the year, Jonathan Taylor is going to run for 1,800 yards in a Colts uniform, Carson Wentz is only going to have seven interceptions. I'd put the Colts in as a lock for a playoff team. And coming up to these last two weeks, when all you got to do is beat the Raiders or the Jaguars, one of those two games you have to win, getting the Raiders at home and you're in and you lose both of those games, mostly from less than stellar play at quarterback, it really goes to show, I don't think Carson Wentz is the future for the Colts and going to solve their issues long-term. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, as an Eagles fan, I would have told you that, but they made the trade for him. It's now going to be a first-round pick they're giving up because he played the whole season, so over the 75% snaps. But this is Carson Wentz. Like He chokes in these big moments. He did it in Philly, and then he pouted about it. Um, I'm obviously not a huge Carson Wentz fan, uh, but I'm not surprised. Like, I didn't expect the Jags to just blow them out. Did not see that coming. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not all that surprised that uh, he folded under pressure today in a must-win game. And I think he took, when I looked at that stat line, the biggest thing I saw was the six sacks. And that is what I'm used to Carson Wentz doing, just holding onto the ball for too long, trying to make plays that aren't there instead of just checking it down, throwing it away. Um, I think I'm blown up by a bad Jags team and now are going to miss the playoffs. I watch Colts games and when the Colts play well, they have those deep crossing routes available to them 
but all of those plays take time to develop. So if you don't have Jonathan Taylor only had 77 yards rushing this game. So if you don't have the play action working and the time in the pocket and the Colts were getting beat at the line of scrimmage all day this game, Carson Wentz wasn't able to say, hey, let me check it down quick, tight end, get the ball out two, three seconds. It seems like everything with him has to be a five-step drop, three and a half, four seconds, five seconds. And he makes some great plays improvising, but there's times when you just need to get rid of the ball and keep drives alive, like that two, three-second quick release that Rodgers and Brady has made famous. And looking at his stat line outside of some garbage time yards and that touchdown, 17 of 29, 185 yards, a pick, a fumble. You already mentioned the sacks. All of those things go to holding the ball for for way too long. Um, And against Jaguars, they were four for 12 on third down. So you go against the Jaguars. Listen, the Jaguars have the first pick in the draft, so they're going to be bottom of the league in team stats all year. So it might be a little unfair to throw them in there. But what stands out to me the most that the Jaguars were dead last in the league this year is turnover margin. So that means the Jaguars are pretty much going into every game. They're going to lose the turnover battle. The Jaguars had zero turnovers today. It's a pretty good Colts defense. They have zero turnovers. Colts turn it over twice. Jaguars were, this wasn't a last second field goal. This wasn't a ref call. This was an onside kick. There was no one of those plays that happens one out of every thousand plays in NFL season. The Jaguars were in control of this game from start to finish. Do we blame Frank Wright at all for not having the Colts more prepared? Because defensively, they didn't show up. The Jaguars turned the ball over more than any team in the league this year, and they didn't get one turnover on defense, and they lost the game at the line of scrimmage where we know most games are won and lost. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the Colts' bread and butter this whole season has been winning games at the line of scrimmage, obviously with Jonathan Taylor and that rush offense. It wasn't there, and then, I don't know, maybe you need to make some in-game adjustments at once you realize, Hey, like we can't run the ball as effectively as we usually do and want to. Um, and they just didn't seem to pivot from that. They wanted to stick with their ground and pound, which I understand that's where, that's what got them there. Um, but when you're, when you're down, you know, two, then three scores, it's almost too late to try to change it up. But, um, I think they could have made some adjustments. I do want to give a shout out to Trevor Lawrence and Mike, I know you, watch this play with me but that touchdown he had on uh kind of that like botched snap that was not a good snap from the center but made a made a great throw to the back of the end zone it's good to see because obviously he's had a a rough year to say the least but for him to actually make some good plays he played well today as mitch said no turnovers uh was good to see yeah yeah i see i i think you've seen uh bits and pieces from him that will uh give jaguars fan a little bit of hope Uh, i think the big thing with this though is it's one thing to lose it's another thing to get blown out by a three and thirteen team like this is, and I think there's there's a couple of things to look at. That you look at the quarterback first. We've talked about Wentz in the sacks. You look at coaching second. Uh, Mitch, you touched on it. No turnovers. I think it's just all around inexplicable loss. They they had a three shot lead on on the back nine at Augusta and just completely <laughs> lost it. Yeah, they duck hooked it into the houses on ten, Roy McIlroy style, big time. <laughs> but they did it. They did it in the first quarter, which was really surprising. To me, but I don't know. I don't know if we should be all that surprised. Um, coming into this game, the Colts lost six consecutive games in Jacksonville, so this is now a seventh for them. And then the other thing that really sticks out to me in teams towards the end of the season, we talk about, you know, where they are. It's been a long road. I've been all over Urban Meyer since the beginning in Jacksonville, and you know they've made clown of the week. So they go into a team that. 
fans were paying their own money flying a plane over this game with a banner that said clown town um franchise over jacksonville because they announced they're retaining their general manager this week and then you know when you go to the scoreboard and they do those in-game things and they do the answers a b c d well a fan added an answer and said fire trent Belick, who's their general manager that was announced to be retained so that was the energy the fans were putting into this game, probably going through the Jaguars' minds, and the Colts still got blown out of this game. Yeah, uh, Jags fans, man, they've had a tough go of it for years. Um, obviously, just have outside that one year with Blake Bortles almost going to uh, the Super Bowl. Um, it's been a rough go of it for them. So I, I get the frustration. Give credit to the Jags players; they could have easily just like not shown up today and just said, "Hey." Week 18, let's pack it in. I want to go down to Mexico for the offseason. But they showed up and they played, which was kind of surprising. I assumed Colts were going to win. I thought Colts were going to cover that monster spread of 15, 16 points. Um, it completely shocked me that the Jags and you, showed you, up today. You never take anything over 10 points. I love dogs. I ride the dogs all day. And then I was like, you know what? Give me the Colts. Jags are not going to show up. Colts will win by 30-something points. Uh I missed that one quite a bit. Imagine being a Jaguars fan going to this game. So over the weekend, you announce you're keeping your general manager and and you interview Bill O'Brien <laughs> as a possible replacement for your head coach. Can we talk about how uh, if you're just a struggling NFL coach with the offensive mind, you just go to Alabama and just like revamp your career as the OC down it's, there? It's the best thing you can do. It's almost like what Nike can do in PR for you, what Alabama does for failed NFL head coaches. Like Lane Kiffin was hated at Tennessee, USC, Oakland, wherever he goes. Nobody liked Lane Kiffin. He goes to Alabama, he gets screamed at by Saban for two years on the sideline, and then revamps the offense, gets some Heisman-winning trophy quarterbacks, and now he's this guy to get at Ole Miss that everybody likes. Yeah, you just got to sign up to get yelled at for a couple of years. But if you're, if you're cool with that, then uh, you can revamp your career. And so I looked into the Jaguars. It's one thing for the fans. You put out a bad roster. Jacksonville's been bad since they had that AFC championship run. So prior to Jacksonville, um, he was the general manager in San Francisco. And from a head coach search perspective, he hired Jim Tomasula, one and done. I don't even know where Jim Tomasula is right now. Maybe coaching high maybe coaching high school ball somewhere. <laughs> awesome, awesome mustache. And then Chip Kelly. So from a track record standpoint for a head coach search, you can see why fans are upset. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. This was for sure a character game. Uh both sides. We found out who had character on the team, and obviously the Colts did not. So Yeah, tough out for the Colts if you're their fans in the playoffs right now. But this was meant, you don't beat the Raiders at home. Tough loss. That gives the Raiders life tonight as we're watching it. And then you lose to the Jaguars team where teams were going in and kind of their rebound week, putting up 50 points, going in struggling. You know, the Patriots did that. The Rams went in, put up a bunch of points. Other teams that were playoff teams taking advantage of an easier Jacksonville team. The Colts had their chances, didn't do it. It's easy overreaction after the game to really look at Carson Wentz. His numbers aren't that bad with single-digit interceptions, but it's more of the eye test that, to me, tells me, eh, I don't know if this is this guy. just looks limited in what he can really do. Yeah, I mean, I think he's great when Jonathan Taylor's running for 160 yards a game and three touchdowns. Yeah. Like, if that's the case, then he can be fine, and I think a lot of NFL quarterbacks can be fine. It's the same thing with Baker. Like, when Baker's got a really good running offense going, 
with or behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like then he can make the passes he needs to make because I got seven, eight guys in the box. But once a team shuts down the run and then you have to actually play quarterback and pick guys apart, once kind of falls apart, holds onto the ball too long, very similar to Baker in my mind. One thing a team with a running back that run for 1,800 yards you think would be able to do is close out football games. Well, the Colts lost three double-digit leads this year. To the Ravens, Titans, and Bucks. you'd think with Jonathan Taylor rushing for 1,800 yards, they wouldn't have that problem. But maybe just a lack of ability there from Carson Wentz when it's just not the standard three, four, five-second pass. Yeah, and they win one of those games. Uh, this Week 18 game against the Jags does not matter, so... I think they're going to you know, look back at the season and certainly be disappointed about um, how it ended. But there's a ton of positives. Like that offensive line and Jonathan Taylor is coming back. If they can just figure out that passing offense a little bit more with Wentz and the weapons around him. Um, yeah, because Michael Pittman Jr. this year was really the only threat on the outside. T.Y. Hilton was hurt most of the year. Doyle at tight end. Hilton and Doyle think they might retire at the end of this year. So you get a draft pick it's not a great quarterback draft class but there's still some skill guys coming out wide receiver that could really make an impact on this team right away next year 100 percent, but they don't have that first round pick now with oh, that's Philly right with, so what, yeah um so they're gonna have to get creative about what they do later in the draft or in free or uh, free agency brutal for the colts um we those last two games they felt like just a sh- as close to a lock as you can get to make the playoffs. They fall short of that with ample opportunities. Um, Carson Wentz, it's going to be tough for him um, from here on out. It's going to be tough for anybody to defend him. And then as Tim pointed out there, they lose a draft pick for him starting. All Around Guy podcast, we're going to recap the rest of the weekend, look ahead at the playoff picture. We're recording live Sunday night, so you will hear us reacting to the Chargers and Raiders game as it's happening. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. Week 18 of the NFL, more drama this Sunday than I thought any of us were going to get. Most of it from what we touched on in the beginning of the segment from the Colts losing to the Jaguars. But before we get into it, I do want to share an observation I had. I went to the Suns game on Thursday, and they played the Clippers, and it was the game in Phoenix. And so one of my old co-workers had the tickets, invited me to the game, 12 rows back. Got to see Chris Paul for the first time in person. That dude can flat out pass. But a lot of dudes rocking jerseys, no undershirt, jeans, just guns out, Suns game on a January night in Phoenix when it's about 55 degrees. How ripped do you have to be in order to pull that off? Uh, I would say not much because I could see you doing this. And as I sit a couple feet from you here, I don't want to say you're not the most ripped guy I know, but you're definitely not the most jacked guy I know. No, no, I've been, you can, you can put noodle arms around, around my arms. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but to be able to go out in public at a Suns game and just rock that, it's, it's confidence, (laughs) but you got to be in a certain type of shape. And I mean, it was of the dudes at the game, it was probably 30% of them I saw no shirt under the jersey jeans look i didn't realize that was the attire now at nba games it's been a few years since i've gone i've seen you rock the uh your classic you got an old school carmelo nuggets white jersey um that you'll break out from time to time i rock that sunday mornings in my own house (laughs) after a night out of the town 
not when I'm going to be in front of thousands of people yeah. who can judge judge my arms as I'm walking <laughs> by them. I mean, I think I think your minimum bench has to be like 125 for 10 reps before you can pull that off. Yeah, it's, it's a confidence thing for sure. I would, I would say much more than 125. <laughs> I think the ego is, is outweighing the, the bench. Probably. I mean, th- at least 30% of the guys were rocking that. Didn't know that anyone that goes to the NBA game in the near future, that's the dress code if you're a guy that has larger arms than me, which is probably most. Um, we'll start with the Saturday games. Um, Denver kept it close. We'll get into the Cowboys-Eagles game, which didn't mean that much, and then head into the Sunday games. And again, we're watching the Chargers-Raiders um, as we record this. So we'll get started here with the weekend recap. All Around Guy podcast, Mitchell Stevens. I have Mike and Tim joining me. Here we go. Saturday's games. Start with Chiefs-Broncos. The Broncos kept this game a lot closer than most of us thought, but maybe the play that we've seen all weekend was the forced fumble in the Chiefs game that was picked up and returned for a touchdown. Looked like Clowney back in that bowl game against Mike's Michigan's team. Just ridiculous play. Timed it absolutely perfect. Got the Chiefs back in the game. This was part of the all-around five. I thought the Chiefs... I didn't think the Broncos were going to score more than nine points. We took a loss here, and I was way off on this game. What did the Broncos show you guys and how they were able to score 24 on the Chiefs? Does it say anything about Drew Luck or does it say more about, eh, is this Chiefs defense a Super Bowl run defense team? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think it was kind of a fluke game, to be honest with you. Um, just It was mistackling when I looked back at that game and just saw how Denver scored. Two Drew Luck runs. One was pretty long. A Melvin Gordon run that was pretty long. And it was just like mistackles. Runs that should be eight, 10 yards that were gone for 30 or 50 yard touchdowns. So uh, I still think the Chiefs are incredibly good football team. I think that Pittsburgh is going to go into Kansas City and struggle. And I would expect the Chiefs to win by quite a bit in round one of those, uh, the playoffs on the AFC side. But yeah, I'm just going to say some missed tackling is what allowed Denver to score some points here. Yeah, missed, uh, missed tackling for sure. It looked like a few times where. Drew Locke channeled her, his inner Lamar Jackson that uh, the Chiefs defense just wasn't game planning for it. They There was a couple gaps that he had that just led to those long touchdown, there that long touchdown run and a couple long other runs. Um, so I think if anything, it was just a, a difference in game planning. Um, yeah, the, the Steelers played well, <laughs> played well in a tough win this week just to get uh, probably blown out next week in Kansas City. Yeah, um, I agree with that. We're going to get there, but... Vic Fangio fired in Denver, good or bad decision? I get it. I mean, I, I don't think he was given the best uh, chance to succeed just based on the quarterback situation. I think a lot of head coaches were going to struggle with that. I give him credit for how many wins he was able to get without a quarterback, but I understand trying to move on. He's he's old school guy. He's not creative offensively. And if you don't have a quarterback that you can rely on and carry the team, then you probably need to bring in someone uh, that's just more offensively open to trying new things with the quarterback situation they have right now. Was his decision to kick the field goal in the fourth quarter there and then give the ball back to Mahomes and end up losing? Do you think that was the final straw, or was this decision made prior to the game? That's just classic old Scott, old school guy coaching right there. Chiefs defense good enough to get him back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. Even though you had some some tweets that you didn't. Love. I hate Steve Spagnola. What's the so just I, I get he's aggressive and loves to blitz, but when you're going up against a team like Denver where they're skill guys, 
are and again it's it's no disrespect to them and like the way they've been set up in that offense like I think highly of Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant but all year they really haven't been put in a position to just make plays I'd go out there man to man jam them you can rush for you get Chris Jones back in this game who can get to the quarterback on a four-man rush and do some stunts but he gave too much easy stuff to Drew Locke and checkdowns I mean he was checking the ball down and we didn't see a corner on our TV for a good five seven yards after the catch so he's trying to Blitz, play these rolling zones, giving up a quarter of the field. And I get Drew Luck's not very good, but after two years in the league, you know, you're going to be able to recognize some of that. And like you said, those long touchdown runs, there's huge gaps in that defense because they were just trying to do too much against a team where I felt like they could have played a pretty basic defense and been in that game fine and made it tougher for Drew Luck than what they did, which was give them checks to where guys were going to be open throughout the game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I think that it's just, that's what Spagnuolo does. He lives and dies by that blitz. He's done it for years. He loves sending pressure. And I don't hate sending pressure against Drew Locke. I just think it was... Um, I don't either. I just think you look at the skill guys that you have in the outside and it's, you can play man-to-man with them. Yeah, I, but again, though, they're just trying to win this game and they did enough to win the game. I, I think that... But they wouldn't, if they don't force that fumble and return it for a touchdown... Because Denver had the ball in Kansas City territory when they forced that fumble. They don't win this game. It's a fair point. They, they may not. I, I don't know because... And that's going back to the Colts game. Like We talked about like the one in a thousand play sometimes. like That play right there is like the one play that we see all year that's like that. You get that time route. You make a play that people remember clowning of a few years ago. right? Like We're going to remember this play and see how this play for years to come. Yeah. You don't get that play and that jump. You probably lose this game. And to me, it's on Spagnola for not adjusting his defense throughout the game and just continuing to blitz, blitz, blitz. And you just can play man on what they have on the outside there. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it's I, it's tough though because like what would have happened if a that Chiefs defense actually wrapped up and made some of those tackles on those runs? Because I think the goal, like what you want to do with Drew Lock, is make him drive down the field on you, make him have twelve completions in a drive and actually drive down the field as opposed to just big plays. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to do, except there were just huge runs that they were giving up. And I, I think it's a lot of mistackling that allowed them to have those big plays. When you're giving up big runs, and I, I agree it's mistackling, but when you're blitzing that much, it allows, once that running back gets to the second level, he's only got a couple guys to beat. You get that offensive lineman out there. Again, like you drop guys back, you'll have more guys back there to wrap up and make those tackles. Yeah, I think you saw that with the uh, 47-yard touchdown run uh, from Gordon. Yeah. That was that was. What to your point to both of your points, it was a missed tackle, but also the, the coverage as well. I agree. Who should replace Fangio in Denver? I don't know. I've, I've seen some uh talks about Rams OC making the move over there. Um, you always have Eric Bienemy in Kansas City, whose name comes up every time in the past two years about a, a open position. It's an attractive team, like they have a good roster, they have a good defense, they have some weapons outside. Can you just find a quarterback? I mean, that's the that's the thing though. Like, are if you're the top OC that's going to get tracked by all the open positions, do you want to go there or do you want to go somewhere that actually has a quarterback that you could try to develop, like a Trevor Lawrence or someone along those lines? I agree. Um, any final thoughts on Chiefs Denver? Fangio out of Denver, Chiefs hold on. Defense tried to give that game away. Let's move to the Eagles and Cowboys. Tim, as our resident Eagles fan and expert. Um, sat most of your starters. This game probably doesn't tell us all that much. It's probably more important for Dallas to get some momentum in their offense. Dak Prescott, five touchdowns, broke Tony Romo's franchise record. Your thoughts on this game as we head in, as we get two NFC teams 
um, heading into the playoffs for a super wild card weekend. Yeah, I didn't take too much stake in this game uh, just because of how many guys the Eagles sat, especially on that defensive side. Like, it's going to be tough against, say, any kind of NFL offense, but, you know, Cowboys are a good offense. They're going to the playoffs um, and just, you know, no uh, continuity with that team on the defensive side. It's going to be tough. So I don't take a ton into this game. Um, I was excited to see some of those, you know, third string guys get in there, get some time. But um, in terms of what the Eagles have coming up here, they're going to play the Bucks in the first round, and it'll be interesting to see because everyone knows what the Eagles want to do is run the football, and they're going to try to do it both from the running back position with a couple guys as well as Hurts from the quarterback position, and what that's what the Bucks do. They stop the run. So I think if the Eagles have any success running the football, they can actually compete with this Bucks team who, you know, offensively right now doesn't scare me as much as they once did. They don't have the same weapons, obviously, with Antonio Brown's situation and Godwin being hurt. Um, Fournette's out. So it's like the Eagles are clicking right now at the right time. I think they're going to be okay to keep the Bucks' offense in check. It's just a matter of if they can move the ball at all on the ground, they'll be okay. If not, and Hurst needs to start passing the ball, that's when I get pretty worried. Um, he's, he just isn't that prototypical, prototypical pocket passer. And if he has to turn into one in that second half because the Eagles are down, it could get messy. You going to the game? Thinking about it. I have some family down in Florida. They're going to be there. Uh, so we'll see if we can uh, get some tickets and, and what the flights look like across the country. But um, it would be a shame to drive, go all the way out there to get them watching it blown out. But if I don't go and they win, I'll be a little disappointed I'm not there. Yeah, we'll talk Bucks here in a little bit. I think I think it's going to be closer than we think um, when, they, when they do head to Tampa, if that's where it finalizes. This also was an all-around five pick with the Eagles at plus seven and a possible money line. So I parlayed the Chiefs and the Eagles. So two losses for the all-around five on Saturday. Brutal for my bank account to start the week. Need a rebound on Sunday. Let's move to Sunday games. All-around five starting 0-2 on Saturday. Not what we were looking for. Steelers-Ravens. Looks like Big Ben's going to be back in the playoffs. We've got the Chargers-Raiders game on right now, and they're not needing it because we just can't have a tie. Raiders are up 10 nothing right now. So um, this was a classic AFC North January game, low-scoring defense, um, and Pittsburgh does just enough to eke out a win with a field goal in overtime. Probably the play of the game was the fourth down conversion there, fourth and long, Big Ben completes the pass over the middle. Boswell hits the field goal to win the game. Big Ben was 30 of 44 for 244 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Low-scoring game in January. What surprised me most about Pittsburgh this year is how good Najee Harris has been, not just running the ball, but catching the ball, which if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm really excited about that. But still how much Pittsburgh's throwing the ball with a pretty good running back. And they still throw 44 times in this game for Big Ben, who's still taking some hits. Um, But overall, good to see him back in the playoffs. What's your takeaways from this? Pittsburgh back in the playoffs. What do we think about Baltimore season? Disappointing, even with Lamar Jackson's injuries. A little bit to sort through here. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep it brief. I want to hear Mike's point of view after spending some time in Pittsburgh. But uh, I just, one, I was... (laughs) I don't really care about Pittsburgh or Baltimore in general, like no fandom there. I was heavily rooting for Pittsburgh just because Big Ben, I want to keep seeing him play. Um, so I'm excited to see him one more time in the playoffs, see how it goes against Kansas City. It's going to obviously be a tough game, but um, no, it, it, it's been a struggle for him all year. He clearly has has lost quite a bit of 
his accuracy and arm strength and mobility, which didn't have much to begin with. He, um, you know, a lot of those throws, you said 44 times throwing, they're just these incredibly quick passes, and they're almost like extension of the run game. Because as much as they've used Najee Harris, that offensive line isn't getting a lot of movement, and he's not a lot of holes to run through. So they, they almost kind of extend that run game through Ben and passing it on these very, very quick passes, uh, which I understand w- what they're doing there. Najee Harris maybe has the best hands of a running back I've seen in forever. It was downpouring in this game today, and he had this one-handed catch that just stuck, uh, which was pretty impressive. So, yeah, congrats to Pittsburgh. They obviously got the help they needed with the Jags. I'm excited to see Ben in another game. And just one shout-out to Justin Tucker. I mean, that guy, no one's better at his job than Justin Tucker is at kicking field goals, especially late in games, fourth quarter. I mean, he nails that field goal, and you just expect it to go in. But when you look at it, it's a 40-yard field goal in the pouring rain, clutch time, pressure, doesn't matter. That guy just has ice in the veins. He's uh, he's pretty— in, in the AFC North where the weather sucks for yeah, three he, months out of the year where he's playing at least half of his games. He doesn't miss. The guy does not miss. So um, with the Ravens, I don't take too much into the season. I think them having eight wins is, is pretty impressive based on the amount of injuries they had. Lamar's banged up all year. They lost the running backs before the season. They lost secondary guys throughout the season. I mean, they're so banged up. I expect the Ravens to come back next year healthy and have a good year. And I give I give them credit for even getting to eight wins with pretty much playing a lot of secondary guys and backup guys the majority of the season. Yeah. Mike, what's the Pittsburgh perspective? I mean, it's been a, a roller coaster of a season for Pittsburgh fans. Big Ben and Mike Tomlin continue to do as much as they can to get it done, they just barely scrape by. It seems like each and every week, um, it's great for the great for the fans to see Big Ben have another uh, chance in the playoffs. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like their run defense can stop anyone. Uh, so it'll be interesting next week. Uh, I'm going against Kansas City. In Kansas City, they won't have the uh, Heinz Field advantage that typical teams do. But honestly, this game was a prototypical AFC North Pittsburgh versus Baltimore. Um, game it was pouring rain bad weather just if you if you told me the score i probably could have told you which teams played yeah right so real quick before we look at pittsburgh and um kansas city the first the first thing is Najee harris rookie season 1200 yards rushing seven rushing touchdowns and he had 74 catches and three touchdowns i don't know about you guys i didn't see him catching that many balls out of the backfield at alabama that was probably the biggest surprise from a rookie perspective for me yeah, they, they had to do it, like I said, just because the fact that he had 1,200 rushing yards with no holes is pretty impressive. Um, he's a monster. It's also like he's a huge person. He's like 6'4", massive, massive guy that is incredibly agile, quick, speedy, great hands. So they definitely have a good weapon there. It's just if they can build around him with that offensive line is, is really what they need to fix. Yeah, very, very similar to Derrick Henry's size in a way. Um, great hands. They They – their offensive line just really struggled this year, and they just had to do everything they could to get him the ball. He's probably their best playmaker on offense, so their offense, um, their offensive line was just not doing it this year. Yeah, for sure. I think this year's rookie class probably highlighted at the beginning of the year by the quarterbacks with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. But then you look at Jamar Chase, who I know you have a, a season bet on Mac Jones for a rookie of the year, but <laughs> the way he finished and Jamar Chase it's finished. Just, it's killing me. I took that... I probably took that like after week five or six when it was clear that Mac Jones was going to be the best quarterback of all the rookies. And usually like rookie of the year is going to go to a quarterback. 
um, or any offense award is going to go to a quarterback. So that's why I made the bet. I got it at plus 400 at the time, uh, just because I assumed Mac Jones was going to have the best year of all the rookie quarterbacks. Um, so I loved the bet until a few weeks ago, and it just what Chase has done. I mean, he deserves to win rookie of the year. 1,500 yards. It's what, what he's done in Cincinnati is ridiculous. And, and, and listen, like Burrow and his connection from LSU, like that wide receiver, it obviously means something, right? We see with Rodgers and Adams, like you need to have that. But I don't think Najee Harris has gotten enough respect for his rookie season because I haven't heard anybody put him in the conversation. Yeah. And you look at what he's done and how he's turned into, which is there's a couple of things that when you come out of the league, you need to be able to be a three down running back, not just run the ball, pass, protect, which he's been able to do really well and catch the ball. He's been outstanding. And Jamar Chase, definitely rookie of the year. I'd put Najee Harris second and then Mac Jones third, but I haven't heard anybody mention Najee Harris's name. It's a fair point. I haven't either. And just based on what he's done this year and really carrying the Steelers offense and Big Ben, who, who has just struggled um, to get them to the playoffs. Yeah, he should probably get some more love than what he's getting. How's Pittsburgh going to beat Kansas City? It'll be tough. It'll be tough. They're going to have to uh, pray. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They, they have, they have every, every ability to beat them. They just need to focus on a game plan that's going to limit Patrick Mahomes, try to hold him down as, as much as they can, um, as, as much as some teams, you know, Denver did a good job of it in the first half against, uh, against them last week. Uh, Big Ben's going to have to put up a hell of a, of a performance. I mean, they need to get the ball to their playmakers, get the ball to Najee Harris, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. Uh, Rodney McLeod had a great game today, um, had that fourth down catch, really back, really caught the ball, backed it up into a great spot and got the first down. So really just get the ball to their playmakers the best they can and uh, just try to limit Patrick Mahomes. I'm also not convinced that... You know, the season ends, however it ends for Pittsburgh, and we go into next year, and Big Ben isn't like, hey, maybe I got one more year in me. <laughs> like, I just, I, of all the guys, he reminds me a lot of Brett Favre, who Brett just is going to have yeah. a hard time just letting it go. And I wouldn't be shocked if, like, he is trying to come back next year. Like, he just shows up to camp. Like, it, the Steelers don't even know. <laughs> Day one of training camp, like, Big Ben comes walking in. That's a good point. It's, it is it is a little different because they don't have a, you know, a, a successor to him. Yeah. So, it's not like they are like, okay, next year this guy's getting the ball no matter what. So, it is it is a little up in the air. I, I doubt it, but I, I don't take it out of the realm of possibility. I, I, I mean, there was times this year it looked like he couldn't move anymore. Oh, I don't think he should come back. I'm yeah. just saying I wouldn't be surprised if Ben's like, hey, guys, I got one more year in me. Like, like they, he got him to the playoffs. Not he, but, like, they got to the playoffs. So in his mind. What's a better – he gets to go out, national television game, Lisa Salters, and now the playoffs. I'm not disagreeing. Right into I'm the sunset. I'm just thinking Big Ben of what I know of Big Ben and how much he has enjoyed playing football and with the Steelers and in Pittsburgh. He's going to have a hard time letting it go. All right, we'll see. Um, Mike, resident Pittsburgh guy, spent a couple years there. They probably have the Chiefs next week. Either way, they get the help they need from the Colts to get into the playoffs and the the Chargers and Raiders playing a game here, not just needing it. So Big Ben, most likely his final season, going to go out into the playoffs. Let's talk about the other AFC North uh, playoff game, Bengals-Browns next. Bengals-Browns. 
So more battle of the backups as Bengals didn't play most of their starters. Baker Mayfield's been hurt, so he didn't play. So you had Case Keenum play. The Browns win. So we talked about Jamar Chase already, most likely rookie of the year. Bengals in the playoffs. But Cleveland Browns, just a mess at the end of the year with Baker Mayfield. Mary Kay Cabot um, reporting about the tensions between Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski and Baker saying... Um, that he actually prefers the offensive coordinator they have up there and quarterback coach to call plays because he felt like Kevin Stefanski wasn't setting him up for success with his play calling. You know, the three tight end formations weren't doing it for him. Baker trying to play um, hurt. Didn't feel like he was getting enough credit for that. Well, first of all, you're an NFL player. Guys get shot up and play hurt all the time. So you, you know you need to play hurt. Um, you know, the toughness factor comes with being an NFL player. And then... In terms of being set up for success, like you have a whole week with the coaching staff to go over the game plan and know what you're doing going into the game. So it doesn't look like anybody was surprised that they're going to lean on that running game and three tight end set and Baker just needs to be able to adapt. And if they run it well, it makes his job easier. So really, I think we all know what the contract situation, they can franchise Baker. He may be on the team next year, but is he the starting quarterback next year for the Browns? I... Don't think so. I think if I'm Stefanski and I look at the situation and just what's best for this team and winning football games next year, like I, I don't think you can continue with him. And I think that that may be tough for Browns fans to swallow because of how long they went without a quarterback. And I think it's very – if I'm a Browns fan, I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I want to go through another quarterback search. Like it took them forever to find Baker, who at least has made them – a, win, a winning team. Um, obviously, this year's been a little rough than it was last year, but I, I just I think you, if you look at what Baker did this year and how poorly he played, and I get he was injured, but at some point, if you're starting, you just have to perform. And there's a lot of talent on that team. We talked about it. And if if you can't take a talented team like that and get them to the playoffs as the quarterback, like I think if you're Stefanski, because your job's on the line. If you're Stefanski, like if you if you have this roster and can't get into the playoffs then that's going to be on you. So if you're like, hey, I need to get into the playoffs next year, i probably go a different route. And I think you look at some of these free agent quarterbacks that could be out there, Ross, Rogers, and some other guys. Like, if I'm one of those guys, Cleveland is a prime spot I want to go. Like, that team is ready to win right now. Very similar to how the Bucks were when Brady went there. Um, so I would at least see, like, what's out there. And if it doesn't work, maybe, you know, Baker's back anyways. But I, I think you got to at least see what else is out there. Mike, you're a Giants fan. You're used to watching bad quarterbacks play. Not even looking at Baker's stats this year, he does rank towards the bottom of the league in most categories. What does the eye test tell you in terms of him as a quarterback? The eye test doesn't say too, too much. He, you know, he, he actually reminds me of, of Wentz in a little bit in, or in some of these ways. It just The eye test just doesn't seem like he can get it done in big games or put together a, a long season either. Um, I think that I think the main thing with determining whether or not he's going to come back is who you can get. I think it's the same thing with hiring or firing a, a head coach. Like, who's the guy you're re- really going to get? Is that going to be an upgrade? Is it going to get you to the playoffs? Is it going to you know benefit your team? They have a they have a really good roster, and I think you know to Tim's point, if they can focus on free agency and, and you know be a be a team that another quarterback wants to come to, then they can get a better quarterback. But until then, it's it's going to be tough. If Rodgers or Russ goes to Cleveland outside the Chiefs they're not they're not going to Cleveland why not they so 
Russell Wilson's definitely not going to Cleveland. He wants to, he wants to expand his brand. He he's better off staying in Seattle than he is going to Cleveland. I think these guys don't. Want he's to not going to give the Browns his brand and say, "Here we go, Sierra and I want to do these things long term." He wants to be he wants to be a franchise owner. He's not going to go to the Browns and do that. He could replace Baker in the commercials for Progressive. That could, that <laughs> he, could, he can move into the stadium. He move can move stadium. on yeah. in. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that if they get Rodgers or us, and you don't think it's going to happen, which is fair, but one of those guys like. Cleveland is going to be a favorite in the AFC. Chiefs would be the one seed, obviously, and then I think you got the Bills. But, like, Cleveland's right there, and you get a good quarterback. Rodgers or Russ, like, they're going to be a favorite in the AFC to win that. The most underrated improvement in Cleveland has been their offensive line play. You get Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson. They're turning into a running back factory up there. Similar to what we talked about with the Colts, it seems like you get a competent quarterback— you're probably a wild card divisional winner every year. And we talked about it all year. Up until the end of the year, the AFC North was up for grabs. It felt like a year where with, you know, Big Ben on his way out, Baltimore injury issues, since he's still very young, it, this division was meant to be for Cleveland. So for them not to win it and miss the playoffs, I judge coaching by how ready teams are, you know, turnovers, discipline around penalties, suspension, stuff like that, right? The culture of the team. I think Stefanski's done a good job in Cleveland. This is more on Baker. Stay off the Twitter. Mary Kay Cab has been in Cleveland 20 years, very well respected. He was tweeting back at her that this is false, just trying to put food on her table, all this stuff. Baker's maturity level isn't even close to where it needs to be. Commercials is fine. When you're in the league, make your money, do what you need to do. Those are normally like one-day shoots. You get a couple commercials for the year, whatever. Stay off the Twitter. Stay off the in-season stuff. Truly focus on you and your team and not go after well-respected Cleveland reporters because that's just going to continue to turn the fans away from you as well. We got a little bit of a... uh... A similar situation to Patrick Reed in golf. His wife is very active right. on Twitter, uh, defending her husband. Uh, a little bit of the same here with Baker and uh, through, his uh, wife. Through burner accounts. Burner, burner accounts, accounts yeah. yes. We need, uh, I wonder if uh, Baker's wife has burner yeah, he, accounts he, out there. He's got to have some. Yeah. Oh, man. I would love to find those out. I mean, hey, Giselle's defended Tom Brady before, but you got to you got to have a Super Bowl before it's, your it's, wife yeah, can defend you. At least Patrick Tom, Reed had a major, it's right? Tom Brady. Yeah, but she's wild. She's definitely got the wildest burner account in all of sports right now. Baker's wife is definitely trying to compete with her. <laughs> okay, real quick on to Cincinnati. We know what they are. Joe Burrow, um, Jamar Chase, Zach Taylor. Very young team. Do they win a playoff game? Yeah. Um, man, I love what they're doing up there. When they, uh, I saw a stat where it's like they talked about the offensive weapons with Burrow and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and there's Joe Mixon and their age, all under 25. Like, they're building something. Give them credit, too, for fixing that offensive line. I think a lot of people were giving them flack for not taking that offensive line. They, they still, like, Burrow still needs to get rid of the ball much faster at times during the game, similar to what we said with Wentz. He, he's a four-second, three-second every time he drops yeah, back. Yeah, but the difference is he makes good passes when he gets lit up. And... and but, but for the how, longevity of his career, yeah. yes. Like, look at what Tom Brady has done. He realized early on, hey, if I want to play long in this league, I can't take these hits. So I get it. Um, but man, he like <laughs> he takes some big hits and makes a great throw. That's probably the difference between once when once doesn't make good throws or just takes sacks. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm with you. If he's going, if he wants to stay healthy long in his career, he needs to uh, obviously you know be a little more cautious of how long he's holding on to that ball. But 
yeah, I like this team. I think they're going to play Patriots in that first round. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, Belichick draws up against Burrow. Uh, obviously, he's usually got something creative schemed over there. Awesome. Um, any final thoughts before we move to the NFC North games today? All good. All right, let's do it. We had Packers-Lions, Bears-Vikings, NFC North. Recap that. NFC North. All right, so we had Packers-Lions, which we saw Aaron Rodgers play some of the game. Um, Lions won 37-31. Starter stat, we saw Jordan Love throw a couple picks at the end of the game. Dan Campbell gets another win. Um, and then we had the Bears and the Vikings game, which was the truly who cares game of the day. As that game meant nothing. Uh, but I do want to start with Bears-Vikings because most lo- reports are Matt Nagy, again, since Thanksgiving, every week has been told he's not retaining his job. So we do expect Matt Nagy to be out of Chicago tomorrow. Um, but it looks like the Bears are going to keep Ryan Pace and even promote him. So, again, right, like, say what you want about Matt Nagy and his coaching, but that roster has continually got worse since they went 12-4 and four with Trubisky. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I don't know how Ryan, Bays, Ryan Pace excuse me, is keeping his job. It's kind of crazy amount of bad decisions he's made. Like, year after year, it's like Bears have no draft picks. They have no capital to make moves, and they're just in this, like, Awful, awful spot. How they've handled Allen Robinson has been... They'll, if, they'll have a first-round draft pick in like 2040. <laughs> I mean, they don't have an extra. It's going to the Giants. So, yeah, it's it's bad. I don't really understand why they're going to keep him. But And I, I would think, too, like, if you're going to get rid of the head coach, get rid of the GM also. It, it seems weird to me to, like, keep one and not the other. It's, it's a pair. So... Um, you think that you would want to move on from both. But, yeah, I don't have too much to say about this game. It's, it was a meaningless game. Um, so we'll see what these teams do next year. And I guess I guess we'll ask the question to you guys. Do you think Mike Zimmer's back for the Vikings? I, I don't know how he's back. Um, I, think, I think he's a guy that is a really good football coach. He's obviously really defensive-minded. Um, you know, he's definitely old school in his mentality, but he can probably lose the locker room pretty quickly especially when you're not winning and this team has had the talent to be a playoff team the past couple of years and they've hovered around 500 Kirk Cousins has gotten them what a one playoff win and it's not all on it's not all on Kirk Cousins I just think you need I think it's time for a change in Minnesota you still have a couple more good years of Kirk Cousins who I think is is much better I, I get what you say you know one o'clock Kirk versus primetime Kirk like you look at quarterback challenges other teams are having in the league you put Kirk Cousins in Dallas or Indianapolis, they probably win that division this year with the talent they have around him. I still really like Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. I think it's time for a change in Minnesota. Yeah, no, I think they have. I think they have good pieces, uh, but to your point, it, it does seem like Zimmerman can can lose a lo- lose the locker room quickly. Uh, when things are going bad, they're they're bad. But you know, I think Kirk can get by for sure, um, but not not for long. I don't think. I mean, they got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, like two stud wide receivers. And I, as an Eagles fan, just have to watch Jefferson right. catch, you know, thousands of yards every year. Jalen Rager just drops passes, so it, it kills me inside. But he's awesome, and it's just like, I agree, Cousins is good enough to win you games, get in the playoffs, and be competitive. But everything else around that team has to be good. And if it's not, you're going to have issues. But... Um, if they, if they can just figure it out, I mean, you got Dalvin Cook. Like, you, you have guys on that team. So maybe it is time for a change. I do think he's a good coach. Uh, but maybe just bring in, you know, a fresh attitude and see how things 
Go I there. think that would be I think that would be the best job in the league if it became open, just with the talent that team has. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's better than Denver's because they have a quarterback. Um, yeah, they got a lot of talent on that roster. I would say Justin Fields for De- for Chicago is better than expected this year, at least for me. Yeah, it, it was just how they handled that whole situation, like not starting him and starting Andy Dalton and starting him and then he got hurt. And it's, it's been a, a tough year, and I'm sure going through that year with – Nagy and just like so much unknown is, is going to be tough for any rookie quarterback. So he showed some glimpse of promise, which is good to see. I really hope they like, for his sake, bring in a coach that actually knows what he's doing and what he's talking about and can help develop him. Cause he's clearly not like a hundred percent developed. And I don't think it would be so, fair to think any rookie quarterback is the 49ers trade up to get Trey Lance. Yeah. And then, I mean, there was times when throughout the year where people didn't even know if, if he could, communicate the play from the sideline to the team in like week 10 but we're good media we trust kyle shanahan the bears draft justin fields which everybody loves matt nagy's like yeah let's get him done let's get him settled in nfl all hell breaks loose huge difference in markets chicago san francisco and the trust and the patience that people have with you when they made relatively similar decisions on what i thought at the time was pretty similar prospects coming out of school yeah, it's just one has a really good offensive-minded coach and one doesn't. And because of that, I, I have more confidence in Trey Lance. I would love to know the the backstory there because I've heard so many reports about like how Shanahan didn't want Lance and he wanted Mac Jones, but everyone else in, in that building wanted Lance. So I would love to know the truth there because it would be pretty interesting to see um, what it is and how it's going to play out. You know, you now have the 49ers. First of all, that building is Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. So that story is John Lynch wanted Trey Lance, right? Like, yeah. there's nobody else there making those decisions other right, than those right. two. I would not, I wouldn't think so, but like, it seems like they were not aligned and they moved up, obviously, to, to take a quarterback when they had a quarterback in Jimmy G that was like good enough to get in the playoffs. He got him back to the playoffs. It's like, Going into next year, are you really ready just to move on from Jimmy G? And I mean, have we seen anything from Trey Lance that gives you confidence that he's ready to start as a quarterback in this league? No, no. But Justin Field, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. And I, and I think that's where you see the difference. Uh, it's clear that Trey Lance isn't ready to start, but Justin Fields, I think the eye test says it is. So I think that's why a lot of people in Chicago were disappointed that he wasn't starting or starting earlier. Yeah. But. God forbid we give Matt Nagy any credit for Justin Fields' development throughout the year. Because, I mean, <laughs> he, he did get better throughout the year. Yeah, I guess. So did Trevor Lawrence. So we're going to give I think Herbert... a, Yeah, I think I think any rookie quarterback is going to get better just throughout start. the year. But, I mean, it's just... I think I think the city of Chicago just deserves better. We I feel like each year we're like, oh man, that was a tough year. All the rookie quarterbacks that progressed from week one through the year, Justin Fields, the best. Then Mac Jones... Then I think Zach Wilson, then Trevor Lawrence, and then Trey Lance. I don't like feel that's the that's the order of who like just not ranking who had the best year, but who got better from the start of the season. I don't know though. How did Mac Jones not progress the best? I think I think he came in with the most NFL ready skill set from his time in Alabama. Yeah, that's fair. And he played. The Patriots are going to finish as the number one defense in the league this year. They had the best kicker in the league. Nick Folk was 36 of 39 kicking field goals this year. They don't make mistakes on special teams. Like, Mac Jones, 
everything was in front of him all throughout the year. A hundred percent. His situation is by far the best, but I, I think because of that is why he progressed the most. And what, what's, he, what's he doing? What was he doing today in that Miami game that he wasn't doing in week one? He wasn't making any throws different. He wasn't going to the line and changing plays any different. It was the same as it's been throughout the year. I haven't drastically seen the Patriots give him more versus what I've seen from Justin Fields when he's played this year. Yeah, that's probably fair. I, I get what you're saying. So just from a pure development standpoint, Justin Fields by a mile over all the other guys, but Matt Nagy doesn't get credit for any of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't love Matt Nagy and I'm interested to see who they bring in. I can't imagine that Ryan Pace is going to pick someone good though. No, I, I, I can't believe they kept Ryan Pace. Packers home field throughout the playoffs. Any team going to go up there and beat them? I mean, man, they've struggled in the playoffs before when they've had home field advantage. Um, I mean, Mike, your Giants one year went in, and I think that was the year they won the second Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Packers like 15-1 and one or something and went up there and beat them. So, I don't know. They just have struggles from time to time. And, it, man, that, that Packers team, like, it's Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and that running game. But, like, I don't, I don't know how much I love everyone else. It's just Rodgers is so good, everyone else looks good. I agree. All right. NFC North. Expect Matt Nagy to be out. I think my prediction is Mike Zimmer's out of Minnesota. What do you, Tim, Mike Zimmer out or in? In. Mike? Out. Two outs, one in. A lot of changes this year. A lot, lot of changes coming. The biggest one we'll see what happens after this year with what Rodgers does in Green Bay. Packers, one seed. Playoffs in the NFC going through Green Bay. Redskins, Giants. All right, Mike. You're the Giants fan here. I'm just going to... Give you give you the platform to say whatever it is Joe, judge, you need Joe, to say. Judge, get some uh, pent up frustration out. Um, honestly, watching each week is just getting more and more frustrating. And not only do they need to get rid of Joe Judge, they need to get rid of Get Gettleman too. They need to just clean house, start fresh next year. They're going to have their first round pick, which will, I'm assuming will be in the top five. Chicago's first round pick. Uh, they need to clean house, just get their shit together. Um, I think Joe Judge's tenure can be summarized easily in their uh, in their game today when they ran back to back quarterback sneaks on uh, second and eleven and third and nine in the middle of the second quarter. But they had a good formation at least. <laughs> new, new formation they debuted. Great formation, great formation. But honestly, it's just it's frustrating at this point. You can only talk about changing the culture for so long. Um, you, you, you know, you see Dan Campbell talk about it. It seems like it's actually working there. Um, I don't take any excuses from Daniel Jones being hurt. I don't think that really has a lot to do with anything, even though I do think Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm are both very bad. Jake Fromm, not the answer, not the answer. Uh, Mike Lennon, never going to be the answer. Uh, it's just overall frustrating. And as a fan, you just want to, this is the point where you just want to see changes. I don't know if you're going to see, like, based on comments that have come from the Maras and ownership, like, it doesn't seem like they're ready to make changes. Um, and that would drive me absolutely crazy as a fan because it's just like, what what do we expect? If you look at this team and you, you know this team a lot more than I do, but, like, what do you expect that's going to happen differently bringing back the same crew, the same coach, the same quarterback, the same guys? Exactly. It's like, you know, you you, you can't fake it till you make it and you can't just continue to give Dave Gettleman chances 
when he repeatedly just disappoints and puts together bad seasons. Bad rosters, bad seasons. Joe Judge, same thing. I can't wait to see what he does with these picks. Uh, I mean, they, I, I don't even want to watch the draft. I have no idea what they're going to do. <laughs> we never have no idea what, or we never have any idea what they're going to do. Your first round wide receiver, and then your big free agent signing in Galladay combined for zero touchdowns this year. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know Kadarius Tony was hurt for a little while, but I mean, still they need to get the ball. They need to get him the ball more. Um, Galladay is, you know, is proven number one wide receiver, and there's just no excuse. You can't get rid of um, Jason Garrett and then replace him with Freddie Kitchens. Like that's just that's not the answer. It's never going to be the answer, and it's just I mean, so why, frustrating. Why get rid of Jason Garrett if the answer is Freddie Kitchens? Yeah, that right. that just goes back to the point. If you're going to get rid of somebody, the, the 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 there needs to be an upgrade. Yeah, it's man. As an Eagles fan, I love Joe Judge. Just trying, trying that guy out there week after week. That guy, no one loves changing a culture more than him. Maybe Dan Campbell, but that's all he talks about. You know what's interesting too? If you're like you're a Lions fan, like both Lions and Giants had bad years. But I think if you're a Lions fan, you're probably at least encouraged about how the season ended. You knew you had a bad roster, but like the team fought all season long to try to win games. They win a game against the Packers today who didn't start Rodgers, but still, like, the team competed. Um, they obviously have, you got to mention, like, they're building something. We'll see if they can actually get uh, the personnel turned around and can and can put a, together a roster that's somewhat good, and then we can see what kind of coach Dan Campbell actually is. Uh, but then you look at the Giants and just the complete opposite attitude and like optimism from yeah. from that standpoint. Yeah, neither uh, neither record for for each team put together tangible results in terms of culture, but Joe Judge has been talking about it for, you know, 3 years now and Dan Campbell's just had one year. It seems much more visible with the Detroit Lions than it does with the Giants. I, I totally agree. Um, we'll talk about the football team. They just played their last game as the football team, so they're going to be coming out with a team name soon, so any uh, any guesses? Any thoughts? Oh, I mean, Dan Snyder's Snyder, got to fuck it up, right? It's gonna uh, it's gonna it's, be bad. It's gonna be bad. Yeah, God. it's it's Madrid does something like even more offensive <laughs> than the Redskins. <laughs> re- yeah, he just goes with, like the completely wrong direction. He, he just goes with the Indians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just he just completely screws it up. Um, I don't know. I I just they need to just pick something so I know what to call them. Yeah, we just I gotta we just gotta get it figured I, out. I can't keep calling them the football team. It's just. I just keep struggling with that one. So, yeah. We'll see. Probably like the defenders or some yep. shit. Okay. We don't want <laughs> Connecticut Joe, defenders. Connecticut <laughs> defenders. We don't want Joe Judge back, but we all think he's going to be back. Based oh, on, I want him back. You as, want him back. As, as, as an Eagles fan, I'm sure Cowboys yep. and, and football team fans also R- want him River back. Wrote, Riverboat Ron coming back next year? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I think he will come back. I don't think he should come back. That's an, like what? Do, what does the football team do with their coach, with the quarterback situation? Like they got a lot of shit to figure out too. I I think I think you keep Herbert Brown. I think that team's got bigger issues in football, just with the defunct dysfunction with Dan Snyder, the reports coming out, and I think you got to get through that first, and then I I think there's some teams with bad ownership where if you have a great coach or a good GM, like you can fix some of that. Washington is so dysfunctional that you got to get through some of that stuff first, fix what Dan Snyder's done, and then I think the football gets better. Yeah, it could be. Um, it's it's a mess right there. Another situation I don't mind as an Eagles fan, but to your point, they have bigger problems off the field that until they fix is, is going to cause some issues on the field. 
Totally agree. Um, we got a couple more early slate games to talk about, and then we'll get to the afternoon. All Around Guy podcast, Mike Tim with me here. Um, weekend recap. Jets, Bills. Well, Bills scored two late touchdowns they fucking covered. Um, most of our pick had the Jets, except for Mike, uh, so he was pretty happy with that. Looking at the Jets season, Zach Wilson, who I thought was awful, he had a terrible start the first couple weeks. Then you look at who's around him, it's actually worse than you think. The fact that the Jets were able to win four games this year and be competitive in a couple other. I really like Robert Salah. I thought he did an awesome job in New York this year. But I think the focus is Buffalo. Um, they win the AFC East. A couple weeks ago, they win the game that they had to win against New England at New England in a primetime game. And then they are not, they're going to have to go to either Kansas City or Tennessee, it looks like, and win a couple of road games to get to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen's legit. What do we think about the Bills' playoff run? I don't, I don't know. It's it's one of those things like I like this Bills team, but I don't know how much I like them in terms of like I think they should be able to beat. Um, they're probably going to play the, the Chargers or Raiders in that first round. So I th- like I like them there to win that first game, but I don't know if I love them going into a Kansas City team and winning that game. Um, I'm just watching a big running for the Raiders trying to make a last-second score here. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I really like Josh Allen, but there's sometimes he makes bad throws. He's inaccurate from time to time. But, man, did you see the touchdown he threw today, that first one? Rolling right, like fading out. He's almost out of bounds, and he's throwing it sidearm to Diggs in the back corner of the end zone. Shout out to uh, to Diggs with that catch. That oh was my goodness. Antonio Holmes-esque. Yeah. Ridiculous. So there's just, like, shit like that that he does. Like, I don't know how many guys in the league can do. But then he, he'll, like, try to lateral the ball when he's running for five yards. Like, what are you doing, Josh Allen? So... Uh, you kind of have to live with it, but we'll see what this Bills team does. They can't run the ball, so it's more about like can they show up defensively and actually get some stops. Are they are they too one dimensional? I think so. I mean, it, I think they do have their number one back now. It seems like they've gotten you know throughout the entire season without knowing, but I think Devin Singletary will provide that that value for them. I just think they're going to have to rely on Josh Allen a lot. Um, it it also seems like they've consistently underperformed uh, throughout the year, I want to say. Um, you know, they lost first week to the Steelers, lost at Jacksonville. Um, it just seems like it's it's a team you can't really rely on. Yeah, I mean, if they they turned it all around when they beat the Patriots in that last matchup. They lose that game, and they just limp into the playoffs as a wild card. I think people are having some doubts right now. But, look, they won that game. They won the East. They're going to be the three seed. So, no, you give them credit for doing that. Let's see what they do in the playoffs. That's kind of where I'm at with them. Any thoughts on the Jets? I like I like uh, Robert Sala. I do. They're, they're they're the best of the two New York teams. I'd rather be a Jets fan today than a Giants fan. It's probably fair, yeah. uh, at least because you kind of like. I think you saw some promise with Zach Wilson over the year because it was really bad at first, and you know he played. I, I thought he made some great throws against the Bucks last week. Um, he did okay today against the Bills. Uh, I just. I think maybe it's time to move on from Joe Douglas in terms of that personnel decision making. I don't love what he's done to build that roster up, and you know they're gonna really need to make some changes if they want to compete next year in the East, which is a, a good division. Yeah, like you have you know three teams that are gonna compete for the playoffs. So if you want to be competitive, you, you're gonna need to make so some changes. Looking at looking at the AFC because you have Patrick Mahomes, obviously Josh Allen at quarterback. Looks like Joe Burrow is gonna be really good for a long time. Lamar Jackson won an MVP a couple years ago. You expect to get back. And then, you know, as long as you have Belichick in New England, you got Mac Jones. 
those are five teams every year that are going to be really good that that you have to beat. And the Jets, um, again, like it's early with Zach Wilson and Robert Salah, but I agree with you on Joe Douglas because that roster is so far outside of Jacksonville. To me, it's got the least talent of any team in the NFL. It's bad. And I just throw out there Justin Herbert, too. Who's oh, Justin be, Herbert, right. So there's six. Yeah. yeah. So, no, it, it, I think you made a great point. So, And I think a lot of Zach Wilson's success over the next few years is going to be dependent if they can actually support him. Um, not just with weapons, but that offensive line as yeah. well. Yeah. And so you already have six teams that got some core foundation elements that are going to be really good. Never mind what we think Trevor Lawrence is going to be. So the Jets have a long way to go with Zach Wilson, but I agree with you. Probably time for a personnel change. Um, the Bills, mo- I think the only thing that mattered in this game to anybody outside of Bills fans once they realized they beat the Justin Winley division was that they covered <laughs> with two late scoring touchdowns, a monster 16 and a half. Um, God, still can't believe they got the two late touchdowns to cover there. Um, Buffalo wins the AFC East. Titans, Texans. Titans were up 21-0 at one point. I just stopped watching because I'm like, oh, home field, going to go through Tennessee. And all of a sudden, it's the fourth quarter. It's 28-25. And I mentioned early on, Davis Mills is, I think he's, the big thing the Texans came out with, which I thought was smart because they knew they were going to have an early round draft pick, is they gave him the last couple weeks of the year to see if they want to draft a DN. I think Davis Mills did enough to earn the starting job this year from what we saw, um, especially with not a ton of help at, at running back, some injuries. He really only had Brandon Cooks out wide, a pretty weak offensive line. And then you come back and hang tight with, hey, the best team in the AFC this year, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> give him credit because Texans were pretty much openly trying to lose games in the middle of the season by just trading away starting players <laughs> for absolutely nothing in return. So they were... Pretty clearly trying to lose games. Um, they turned it around. We have to assume David Coley is not the head coach there next year, right? I thought when he was hired, he was a one and done. But I don't know. I mean, that GM wants so much control. It actually hurts their recruiting of head coaches. And David Coley was able to come in and kind of be like, eh, I just want to be a head coach. You do what you want to do. So even if you get rid of him and you go out, it's like, is the GM going to let some head coach come in? Not even have to make personnel decisions, but just have the control. And, and I mean, the GM was in on game planning. Yeah, I know. It's bad, that whole front office situation. I just think you look at some things that David Coley has said over the course of the year about just like not believing in analytics and things like that in this day and age. And listen, there's d- different levels of how much you rely on analytics. Uh, but if you're just flat out, like not using it it's kind of a right. red flag so i think i would assume they would move on from him but i kind of get what you're saying uh i do want to see davis mill start next year because i think he probably deserves deserves it based on how well he played uh, in terms of later in the season and the overall skill set of this incoming draft class too yeah i mean there's just not a quarterback that is going to be at the top there yeah i think i think when you look at the quarterback position or look at a, a team roster in general that that's maybe second most important position could be a legitimate defensive end. And then you look at this, this year's draft, the top two picks are probably going to be legitimate defensive yeah. ends. So I think that I agree. I thought David Coley was one and done. I think you probably part ways with him from the analytics perspective. It's a little different situation with what the GM wants. Mike Vrabel coach of the year, my opinion, you lose Derrick Henry and you're still the one seed. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what I'll say on the other side of this game is Tennessee. Obviously, they, they win this game. They, they get it done what they needed to do. Listen, Derrick Henry's coming back, and they're going to have a bye. 
he's going to be incredibly well rested. Fresh legs. Tannehill looks like a top four or five quarterback in the league. You got AJ Derrick Henry with him, and AJ Brown is back. You know, which we saw just getting AJ Brown back. We saw what that did for them. Yeah. So I think Frable's an awesome coach. Um, Listen, I I wouldn't be surprised if he wins Coach of the Year based on what he was able to do, losing their best running back, so and best weapon. it's just I don't think they're getting enough respect in the AFC in this playoff picture. I think people just look at this Tennessee team and like, oh, they're not that good, which I understand. But they're a different team with Henry, and he's going to be so well rested. I don't want to have to go into Tennessee and try to beat that team in the playoffs. Yeah, I think Absolutely not. I think uh, people just kind of wrote off the Titans once Derrick Henry got hurt, not expecting him to come back. Um, and now that he's back, I think going into this week, he was ranked sixth in the league and rushing. So obviously he had an incredible year beforehand. He's rested. He's ready to, he's ready to go. And, and that roster looks really good with him. Yeah. It's sometimes it comes down to getting guys back at the right time and they get Derrick Henry back, AJ Brown. We know what Tannehill looks like with them. They've always been good defensively with Vrabel. They don't make mistakes. Special teams are good. And Nashville's turned into a legit just home field. Even you look at their hockey team with the Predators, like you don't want to go into Nashville, that city and have to win a, a one and done game. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Awesome. So early slate games all covered. Um, Looks like the playoffs are going to go through the NFC with Green Bay, AFC with Tennessee, all around guy podcast. Let's get to the afternoon slate. Afternoon slate. So we'll start with Bucks Panthers and the Bucks win. They score a lot of points. We know what's going on with Antonio Brown. So it felt like a game where Brady wanted to make somewhat of a statement that hey, this team doesn't revolve around guy. We can score more points. Granted, it was the Carolina Panthers, but it has to be a confidence boost if you're on the Tampa Bay offensive team. It's good to see Gronk. Seven catches, 136 yards this game. He made a million dollars in bonuses. So Tampa wins. They're going to get a home playoff game, as you mentioned with Philly, where Tim may be next week. The Panthers announced they're keeping Matt Rule um, heading into next year, which I like. I think he's done enough. They also said they're interested in maybe trading Christian McCaffrey. Um, but that's all next year stuff. Looking at right now, what do we make of Tampa Bay's playoff chances? Yeah, I, I touched on it earlier because of the uh, the Eagles are going to play them. Listen, they should beat the Eagles. I'm not going to be shocked if the Eagles lose this game, but I think it will be competitive. And then it's just a matter of what you think they can do against Green Bay. Um, up in Lambeau, and I think it's a little different. Like, they went up to Lambeau last year and beat Green Bay in a very close game. You remember, end of first half, Scotty Miller scores that, like, bomb touchdown to end halftime in that playoff game, and I think that changed the rest of that game. It's just not the same. Like, Tampa, we just talked about it. In terms of injuries, were completely healthy last year. They just had a full roster of guys, and they are not healthy right now. Antonio Brown, you know, different situation, but he's not on the team. Godwin's out. Fournette, like... They're just not healthy. That secondary is so banged up. So I just don't think it's the same team. Not that Brady's all that different from this year to last year. It's just the guys around him aren't the same outside of Gronk. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Tampa went in. They did what they needed to do in terms of prep for the playoffs. Not much. Not many surprises or what we saw there. I thought I thought Tampa would be less sharp on offense. So this was common spiller for me um, as they beat Carolina. But looking at the Seahawks-Cardinals game, the Seahawks win 38-30. Could be Russell Wilson's last game um, with the Seahawks. We don't know. Could be Pete Carroll's last game. But focusing on now, I just don't think the Cardinals are very good. Like, you lose DeAndre Hopkins. 
So they, their seven points they scored in the first quarter was a defensive touchdown. Another seven points. So about 14 of their 30 points were because the defense either scored or set them up at the one-yard line. Is it me or are the Cardinals going to get balanced pretty early next week? No, I think they've been incredibly inconsistent. Um, you know, to what we were talking about earlier with AJ Green, he's got he's had a few drops today. God, I, I know you weren't too happy about that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just overall very inconsistent. Uh, you know, losing one of the best wide receivers in the league is definitely going to hurt them. That was that was Kyler Murray's you know go to guy. Zach Ertz has definitely stepped up, so it, it really depends. I, th- I think they're very matchup dependent for sure. Yeah, because Kyler's success in Dallas, like if they get a good matchup against the Cowboys, I know they beat them a couple years ago, and I agree with you that they're matchup dependent. But like Rashard Penny ran for 190 yards and didn't get touched at times, still five or six yards down the line. So it's going to be Rams-Cardinals next week, um, just based on how the seeding finished up here. And they split the regular season. And we look at that matchup. um, I honestly like the Cardinals, and I understand the concerns there. They they offensively are a different team without D-Hop. I don't know what team wanted because of how good he is. And at this point, you expect Stafford to have one or two turnovers, the way the 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 season finished. Yeah, I just listen. Like in a playoff game, a lot of times I I want the better quarterback. I think right now Kyler Murray is the better quarterback because he is healthy. And I think in the playoffs, they're going to be a little more risky with him running the ball. And I think it's going to be more incorporated into the offense. And with some QB runs and things like that, which is it helps that whole offense flow, especially without D Hop out there. I think the story of this game is James Conner left, and the Cardinals after he left settled for some field goals. And if you can't turn it into touchdowns against the Rams, really any of these playoff teams, they're they're going to lose. They're going to need James Conner to be able to go. Yeah, great point. I'm just going to throw it out there. They activated J.J. Watt today off of the IR. So like, yep, he expects to practice this week. If he comes back, and I think it's just obviously the skill set, but also just the momentum that he can bring to a team. You saw how good that defense was in the beginning of the year when he was healthy and playing. Um, so I think that could be a big addition for them defensively going into L.A. A week out, Mike, Cardinals-Rams, who's your pick? I'm going to take the Cardinals. I like uh, I like them to to beat the Rams. I just think... To Tim's point, I think Kyler Murray at this point in the season is a better is playing better than Matty Stafford. I love Matty Stafford; he's one of my favorite players, but he's just been real inconsistent. Um, and overall, I just I just think the Cardinals are going to get it done. I like the Cardinals. My one concern is we got Cliff Kingsbury going to LA. You know, might get a little distracted. A little distracted. Yeah, out ladies. There. Yeah, little ladies. Yeah. Little clubs at late night. Yep. Yeah, Cliff agree. can just focus. Our our official playoff picks will come on Thursday. But a little early preview there. We'll stay in the NFC West. 49ers come back and win 27-24 against the Rams. Does this say more about Jimmy Garoppolo or Matthew Stafford, the result of this game? I'll tell you what, man. Jimmy G, I think it was like a minute left. No timeouts. Needed a touchdown. And just as he marched that team down the field. I mean, I don't know what defense the Rams were playing. He just had some wide open guys. Debo. Um, and Jennings, but I give I give Jimmy G a lot of credit just based on the situations he he's been put into with them drafting. Tra- doesn't say a word. Doesn't say a word. He just goes out and grinds. He, he, listen, he's not like a Pro Bowl quarterback year in year out like some of these other if guys. If I take a team to a Super Bowl and then you come back and you draft a guy third in the draft, I'm throwing a fucking fit. Yeah, he didn't do it. He just kept grinding. And he's had some injuries. He always has injuries, but. I like what the 49ers did. That you know they can run the ball. Debo Samuel's awesome. Like that, what that guy does catching, 
and running the football. Yeah, him and Cordell Patterson this year. He fucking threw a touchdown pass today. <laughs> like, <laughs> what can't this guy do? He, he's, he's really cool to watch play. He's just a freak of an athlete, which is awesome to see. Um, and now we have Shanahan 6-0 against McVay in the past six games. Great point. When, and again, this was another loss for the all-around five. Tim was all over the 49ers, so credit to you. Thank you. Mike Garoppolo, Stafford, who's this say more about? I think it says a little bit more about Matty Stafford's inconsistency. You know, we've seen it game in and game out. He's due for some bad throws. I did realize that this was Cam Akers' uh, first game back. Um, I thought he looked okay. I thought they tried to get him into the offense a little bit too much. Um, I thought they had a really good thing going with Sonny Michelle, but um, overall, I don't know. I, I just think Jimmy G had a great – he's been under a lot of scrutiny, and when – that scrutiny comes, it's hard to kind of back up against the wall, go down, win a game for, for your team. He did exactly that, and credit to him. They were down 17-3 at the half. They score 14 unanswered in the third quarter. It then ends up going tied overtime 24-24, where they just pretty much took the error out of the football um, to kick the field goal and then pick off Stafford at the end to get the win. So with the 49ers winning... Um, the Saints' 30-20 to 20 win over the Falcons ended up not meaning anything. Falcons finished 7-10. and 10. They actually won like three more games than I thought they would based on the roster. Matt Ryan, Arthur Smith, first-year head coach. If I'm a Falcons fan, I'm feeling pretty good about this year. If you're a Saints fan, 9-8, and eight, again, like if, it'll be Mike Vrabel, but I thought what Sean Payton did this year to get that team to 9-8, and eight, you lose Jameis Winston. You do the Taysom Hill, Simeon. We saw... Um, Ian Book, who they started, who was a disaster. Yeah. Um, so to really to have a chance in Week 18 for that team to make the playoffs was incredible from Peyton. Jameis Winston, who was a one-year contract guy, we don't think Taysom Hill is going to be the starter again. Like he left the game with injury for running. Um, Saints Falcons general feels from this season. I think real quick with the Falcons, you said it. Arthur Smith, I think, deserves a ton of credit because that roster was not great. And they lost their best weapon. Like Calvin really just didn't play football this year for uh, kind of off the field issue. So, yeah, it looks like he's going to leave Atlanta too. Yeah, I think so. And that's probably best for everyone involved, both team and himself. So, um, yeah, the fact that they had seven wins was, was more than I expected. And I don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan. Like, I don't know if Matt Ryan is done playing football. If he wants to keep playing, I think if he wants to keep playing, like, they'll keep him and see if they can just build a roster around him to be somewhat competitive. Uh, but they, they clearly need like a long term solution there. So, They'll figure that out. On the Saints side, I'm very curious to see what they do here. If they're going to bring Jameis back, especially because like I don't know if he's going to be necessarily healthy week one based on what the injury was. Um, I'm just watching Carson Wentz throw an awful interception on replay right now. Just not shocked at all. But you know, you have Sean Payne and you have Alvin Kamara and you have a defense that played pretty well. It's like what else did you do with that? With the quarterback situation, other offensive, they, they need to get some other offensive weapons to say the least. Um, but maybe that's another spot where one of these veteran quarterbacks want to go because of Sean Payton and his track record. Sean Payton, obviously lose Drew Brees, so you have no Jameis Winston after he gets hurt. And then you're trying to figure it out, as we mentioned. You lose Kamara at some point. You didn't have Michael Thomas all year. I mean, to go 9-8 and eight with that team, just ridiculous. Yeah, he's a good coach. I think so. I think watching the, watching the Falcons play today, it was pretty evident that Matt Ryan is – is getting old. I think I think they're in a dangerous spot right now. I think if they continue to, to let him play, he's obviously, you know, a, a good quarterback, but he made some some 
crazy throws. And I, I like Gage. I like Pitts. I think there, there's some bright spots there. But, um, I mean, one play, Matt Ryan threw a shovel pass, chest pass, screen pass, <laughs> right into the defense's <laughs> hands. And it's just like he makes those plays throughout, throughout each game. And it's, just, it's, it's worrying because if you get rid of him, then where do you go? Um, I don't know if Kyle Trask or, or any other backups are really a, a step forward, but I don't think there's a great backup plan, and that's probably why you know it's if he wants him. to come yeah. back, maybe he is back, yeah. and yeah, maybe it's they they, they need to solve running back though, like because Mike Davis so slow, and then you had Cordell Patterson, who again like impressive year carrying the load, but not not the full time answer. Yeah, he's got to be that you know Debo Samuel where he does play a little bit more wide receiver, but then runs in the backfield as well yeah no totally agree with that um so but still what what i know atlanta didn't really beat a team with a winning record this year and they only won one game at home but i had them as a three four win team arthur smith great job i thought sean payton was coach of the year up until you really look at what mike rabel did and up it i mean just ridiculous stuff there so um looking at the last game dolphins patriots dolphins win 33 24 i Teams on third and short, if they come out and empty one more fucking time, especially when you're in New England with Mac Jones. I mean, I watched Arizona do it too with Kyler, and it was pissing me off. New England's down 7 nothing. It's third and two. They've been running the ball great. They come out and empty, and Mac throws an awful pick six. But you don't even – there's no threat of running the ball coming out and empty. Play action with Harris, Stevenson. They ran the ball great during the game, and Mac just throws a terrible pick as a rookie quarterback. To me, that's on McDaniels for that, for that call there. Obviously, Mac threw the ball, but – why are you coming out and empty on third and short to start the game is beyond me. And then you throw it at Xavier fucking Howard, who's the best defensive back on the Dolphins. He's probably one of the better defensive backs in the entire NFL. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think it's when you watch like good teams versus bad teams. And I usually think Patriots are a good team, obviously, with the coaching. But what I think good teams do well is they run in passing formations and pass in running formations, especially in those short guarded situations. So when you go jumbo, you're like, oh, it's a run, and then they pass out of it, play action, vice versa. You spread guys out and can run up the middle. When they don't have a running running back in the backfield, you just eliminate the possibility of a run. So I don't really understand it. Even when the Chiefs do it, and the Chiefs love throwing on third or fourth and short, they just have Tyreek do that like little out route. It's almost impossible to guard they still have a running back back there to at least the threat hey we may run this ball so i'm with you i don't completely understand it but it's sometimes tough to uh blame or actually put any like contradiction towards belichick and mcdaniels because of how good they've been for so many years i think my biggest concern as we head to the playoffs right now is the patriots run d because they just i mean david johnson 117 yards but i mean we couldn't touch him at times in this game they got pushed around. Like, you remember that Tennessee game they got pushed around without Derrick Henry? Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's looked a little weak at times. And like Hightower is out today. Who's the yeah, guy that, and Kyle Duggar, who's a good run-stopping yeah, safety. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see when they actually like, are in the playoffs and how many guys they have playing. But um, I think my biggest concern with the Patriots is like if they get down, kind of how they were today, do they have the offensive power to like but score I, quick? I, actually, I think that was my only takeaway that we showed was that we could come back. Because, I mean, we were down two possessions. We got it within three. Yeah. No, they did. Um, it's just not, like, explosive how some of these other teams can yeah. score, like, quickly. Our explosive plays were to Hunter Henry today. <laughs> <laughs> he made a sweet diving catch. Yeah. Like I mean, he was wide open and Mac threw up five yards too far. Do we know who the Patriots are playing next week? Is that out? Yeah. Or they, do we... they should be playing um, the Bengals. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're in Cincinnati. Um, early, early thoughts? 
I think, I mean, I know they kept Joey B out this week for, you know, because the game didn't matter. But I think I think that matchup, Joey B going against Bill Belichick, I think that'll be fun to watch. Um, Belichick's record against young quarterbacks is pretty good. Yeah that, yeah. that makes me confident. I'm excited to see the atmosphere in Cincinnati. I don't remember the last time they had a home playoff game, but right. that'll, be, that'll be really fun. Since the Red Rifle. <laughs> Andy, baby. Um, I think my concern for you as a Pats fan is like, Bengals have a good running back in Joe Mixon. So if the Patriots don't stop the run and they got to start putting more guys in the box and then you got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins on the outside, one-on-one coverage, like you've seen how aggressive Joe Burrow is. Bengals are scoring 30 against us. Yeah, it's, it's just if we can score So it's like, can with you them. keep up and score with them? Because like Burrow loves taking his chances. And, and we saw that with the Bills too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think those, you know, I do think Miami has a very good defense. I think it's very underrated. They've been playing really well, so... Um, I think for the Pats, it's more about can they score against solid defenses? You know, the Bills, the Dolphins, they they, they kind of struggled with. They did come back a little bit today, uh, but it was it was more so a struggle, I thought. But I don't think Cincinnati's defense is all that good. It's more so can they keep up scoring wise? Yeah, I don't. Not many teams have had an answer for the Bengals' offense this year, but I'm still I'm concerned that the Patriots are going to be down quick. Yeah. Could be. All right. Um, we went through Saturday's games, all of Sunday games. Any last thoughts, predictions? No, I'm excited to see how the second half of this game goes right now between Raiders and Chargers. Uh, Chargers are at four. Um, I don't know who I want to win. I kind of like both these teams. Uh, we talked about the Raiders last week about like how well they've overcome all the issues they've had. I love watching Justin Herbert throw. And um, just they just refuse to punt the ball or kick field goals. They just go for it, which is good or bad. It's exciting football to watch. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens here. Chargers, yeah, Chargers are very fun to watch. I'm concerned for one of our good friends, Grant, diehard Chargers fan. Mm. Wish we had a camera on him so we could watch his uh, reactions throughout. But I'm also, I also really like Derek Carr. I think they've been through a lot this year. Um, I like both these teams. It'll be interesting. Yeah, Countdown this morning did a great piece on Derek Carr. How he's kind of been the compass for that team and kind of help guide him through what they've been through with with Gruden and, and Rugs and stuff. So um, if I, if I, I don't really. Care. I won the pick'em already. I'm probably rooting a little bit for the Raiders. That I like Derek Carr, but I'd, I'd much rather watch a Justin Herbert team in the playoffs and kind of see what he's made up for for some big games. I'm shocked it took you this long to really like bring up you winning the pick'em. I, I mentioned it at the start. <laughs> you you kind of snuck it in I there. Snuck it in I, there. Thought, I think the over under was like four or five. Just I just so, we been off the so stressed today. Sucked all day because all those fucking games mattered, and you're looking at who he picked. And just. To recap, so everyone listening knows, we I run a season-long pick em, uh for NFL where you pick every NFL game against the spread. And it's just, usually it's a weekly payout, but uh, we keep a little bit each week. It takes so Tim about seven days to send a Venmo. It's all right. It's hit or miss. But we try to invest it first. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you, can have yeah. Your, you can have your full money now or you can double it in 10 days from now. No one's ever taken the double option. But we also keep a little out each week. So there's a season ender or season end winner and mitch has led the whole season in the past two weeks i don't want to say choked but as really oh, it was a choke. It was, as it, if, it, if i lost it would have been a choke as you've heard from some of his picks in the past two weeks i think he's been one yeah. and four and one and four the past two weeks so no if the raiders cover two and three all right well still not great still losing but uh he was able to hold on he's gonna have a one point victory after the whole season he's gonna win by by one game 18 so. weeks Again and again, our pick'em is against the spread. So yeah. keep that in mind. A hundred and forty-four, maybe hundred and forty-five games correct picked against the spread. 
for 18 weeks of NFL football. Yeah, he's done well all year. It's got a little rocky towards almost, the end. But almost choked as bad as the Colts. He tried his hardest, but uh, he's going to pull it out. So we're, we're proud of Mitchie for bringing this one home. Um, and we'll see what shakes off in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens between Raiders, Chargers. Um, thanks to Tim and Mike, All Around Guy Podcast, Mitchell Stevens, at All Around Guy One on Twitter, at All Around Guy Podcast, at gmail.com if you want to connect with the show.